Welcome to Window of Opportunity, a Stargate rewatch podcast. I'm Carrie. I'm Rachel. And today we're talking about Stargate SG-1 Season 4, Episode 10, Beneath the Surface. Quite literally. Yes. A.K.A. the episode where they went, hey, everybody, Michael Shanks is really hot. <laughs> hey, everybody, everyone is hot, really. I mean, that too, yes. Everyone, yes. Is, everyone is literally dirty hot in this one. Yes. <laughs> and I am good with that. Dirty and hot. <laughs> so if you have a crush on anyone, this is the episode for you. Yes. Yes, yes. most definitely. Mm-hmm. Get yep. on with it. Okay, so this episode originally aired on September 1st, 2000. It was written by Heather E. Ash and directed by Peter DeLuise. And we have in the commentary Peter DeLuise and James Titchener, the visual effects supervisor. Does Peter DeLuise make a cameo? He does. You don't? Oh, I missed it. It's very brief. Very brief. I'm not not paying close enough attention, apparently. It's like it's near the end and it's, yeah. It's it's just a little quick one. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So in this episode, with their memories erased and their identities changed, SG-1 find themselves trapped below a domed city on a planet of ice, toiling as slave laborers. Can they come to their senses and make a break for the surface, or will they remain enslaved underground for the rest of their lives? <gasps> it's the brainwashing episode. I'm going to go with everything turns out okay in the end. Um, I think, yes, that is most likely what's going to happen. Yes. (laughs) I do like how a lot of these little, you know, cliffhanger things are like, will they? Or will it be permanent doom? And it's always like, well, there's an episode after this. So. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Someone's okay. Yep. Yeah. So this episode is interesting because we kind of open in like the middle of the story, which I think is always interesting. Like when sort of shows start this way, especially things that are like in their fourth season and can become kind of formulaic in their storytelling. Not that that's necessarily a bad thing. It's just usually a Stargate episode goes like this and you know, like what story beat is going to hit. But here we open in like a barracks room. There's like rows of bunk beds. It's dark and kind of dirty. And there's people like sleeping on all the bunk beds and they all look like they maybe haven't bathed in a while. And suddenly Tilk sits up in the bed he's in, as an alarm sounds. Uh, he's shirtless, but has bandages wrapped around his stomach, covering his pouch. And he joins in the other people as they all leave the room to go somewhere. And also, the chinworm is gone. Yay. Oh, yeah. Chinworm all is right. gone. Uh, so they, so they shaved it off with his new identity. They're like, this new yes. person doesn't have this. That's kind of like the sort of the reasoning in in that is that, yes, they did also like, they took Daniel's glasses and like Amanda's hair is shorter as Sam. Um, and it was sort of part of the whole, yeah, personality stamping thing. Everybody also got makeovers too, apparently. Hmm. So what did, I'm trying to think what Jack did. I mean, I feel like he had more facial hair. They gave yeah. him, they gave him scruff. Yes. He definitely like just didn't shave for a week. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I didn't mind. No, not at all. Mm-mm. Nope. Okay. Um, so out in a large chamber, we see a skylight's covered in snow. People are, like, waiting in line for food. And we see among them Jack, Sam, and Daniel. And they also look not quite like themselves, like Tilk did. They're dressed in sort of similar, uh, what Peter referred to as worker pajamas. <laughs> okay. You know, this, this kind of, that kind of vaguely loose, comfortable, you know, physical laboring type of clothing. And then a woman comes out onto a walkway up above them and tells them that they now have enough energy to heat the greenhouses for two months. Yay! Yay! And everybody responds with, it is my honor to serve. Which, that's always a little disturbing when there's something like that. When everybody (laughs) instinctually says something together. Yup. Yeah. Yeah. So back to the food line, Jack, Sam, and Daniel are all standing next to each other, and Sam gets her slop and then asks the woman serving Kagan for some bread. And it seems like Kagan doesn't like Sam for some reason, because she says there's always no bread, and Jack's like, oh, here we go again. And then the two women start yelling at each other, and Daniel tries to intervene, and Jack's just like, stay out of it. But Daniel calls Jack Jonah. Yes, and that's the first indication you have of, like, 
Mm. Yeah. So Jack yells at Keegan to just give Sam the bread and like grabs Keegan's arm. So Daniel grabs Jack's arm and like Jack like flips Daniel over his shoulder and they start fighting. Tilk then comes running over, pulls Jack off of Daniel and starts yelling about how they're friends. They're part of something called SG-1 and his name is Tilk, but none of them remember. Uh, a few men come up and get Tilk away from Jack because, you know, he's big, strong Jaffa, so you need multiple men to, you know, get him away from anything. And the the woman from earlier, her name is Brenna. She comes over to see what's going on, explains that Tilk is night sick. Uh, and also calls Jack Jonah. She then turns to Kagan, tells her to give Thera, who is Sam, her bread. So Sam gets her bread as we cut to the opening credits. So what the hell is going on? So what? I found that the outburst from Teal'c was I mean, I know it was for exposition where like, oh my god, Teal'c remembers. What is it? But it was just such like a sudden outburst and I thought it was weird they didn't kind of present any sort of, you know, cuts of Teal'c other than when he wakes up first, um, like kind of assessing the situation or doing any sort of like, you know, mental reconnaissance of who are mm. these people, where am I, whatever. So just him being like, ah, you're from SG, I thought it was just kind of out of like, I thought it was oddly placed for him to all of a sudden just start yelling that. A bit, yeah, yeah, I can see that. It is it is quite extreme, yeah, for sure, yeah. yeah, yeah. So we come back from the credits, and we have Daniel and Kagan working together on some type of machine, and Kagan calls him Carlin. And oh, these they, names are weird. I don't like I any know. of these names. No, uh, Tilk is back, and he's apparently been gone for five days. So this is apparently five days later, and. Uh, we get a bit of uh, explanation here from Keegan about like night sickness and that it's a serious thing that has happened to other people before. And she mentions one guy tried to like bust through the skylight and Daniel asks if he made it through, like, was he successful? And Kagan's like, you would have known because we would all be buried in snow right now. So that's another hint that something's a little like, hmm, mm -hmm. what, why you think he would remember that, but he doesn't. And that's weird. Yeah. We cut then over to Jack, who's working on another machine, and he sees Tilk, like, sort of walking down the, like, walkway towards him and kind of, like, turns away to kind of keep out of Tilk's sight, but Tilk just walks by as if he doesn't even know who Jack is. And there's suddenly a loud bang, and we pan over and see that the machine Sam was working on is now spewing smoke or steam some kind. Uh, Brenna comes over to see what's happened and Sam tells her that the machine can't take the pressure and Brenna seems to be like, well, there's nothing we can do about that. And Sam's like, I have some ideas about like automated pressure valves that could be useful. And Brenna kind of likes this and she's like, come see me later. So Jack catches Sam's eye and they kind of like smile and nod at each other. And Sam is then walking down the hall and Jack falls into step beside her and asks if she's okay after the explosion. She's like, yeah. Yeah, it's fine. I'm going to see Brenna to tell her my ideas for improving things. And then they kind of Yay. tease each other about how they all, like, work too hard. But, you know, that's just what they do. So mm -hmm. we have a quick cut to Daniel and Kagan. And are we supposed to think there's, like, something between Daniel and Kagan? Like, like they like, like each other? So what I was trying, or not what I was trying, but what I was getting from that is that she was trying to make that happen. Okay. That she obviously liked him and was trying to, you know, feel that out. Okay. But he was kind of a bully. <laughs> or, I mean, like, you know, they were friends, but yes. he wasn't quite on the same level as she was. Okay. Okay. Um. And so, like, Kagan, like, definitely has a problem with Sam. Like, they, they're able to see her walking into Brenna's office. And basically, like, Kagan thinks that Sam thinks she's smarter or, like, better than everybody else. And Daniel's like, well, I just, I think she's actually just really smart. Mm -hmm. And then he, he mentions again about what Tilk had said about them being friends. And Kagan reminds Daniel that Tilk's name is Tor. Not Tilk. So now we have everybody's oh, no. name. We have Jonah, Thera, Carlin, and Tor. All weird. 
I know. Which I'm wondering if Tilk's name is a nod to um, one of the other writers on the show, whose name is Tor, Alexander Valenza. Mm-hmm. Maybe that might have been where that name came from. Possibly. Oh, okay. So we are then back at the SGC. They are setting up for a call, video conference, whatever, to P3R118. And once the connection is up, Hammond addresses a man as Administrator Calder. So this is the planet where SG-1 is. They're on P3R118. And the guy that Hammond is talking to, Calder, is playing the situation as Sam wanted to go explore the glacier outside the dome. So this is really some sort of very snowy, icy, like, Antarctic-y type planet. So there really is ice. It really is ice and snow and all that. Just not where you think it is. Yeah. <laughs> and like he tried to talk them out of it, but they went anyway and they haven't been seen since. So Hammond is ready to send specialty teams and equipment to go help with the search and cool with him. So once they hang up, Calder turns to an assistant and says that he needs to speak to Brenna tomorrow about how the new workers are doing. So again, what the hell is going on? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, who's this guy? What's with the dome? Like what is going on? It's very mm-hmm. strange. Yeah. So we cut to Daniel, who's in the, you know, like the worker pajamas, but is in the gate room where the only light is coming from the puddle of the gate itself. And then Jack walks by also in the worker pajamas and like walks up the ramp and gestures to it and tells Daniel to go ahead. But his voice sounds kind of like echoey and like it's far away. And Daniel goes, asks him go where and Jack says to the other side and then Keegan pops up and warns Carlin not to listen to him and then Daniel wakes up in his barracks on 118 because it was all a dream and like what does it mean what does it mean so back at the SGC Hammond is talking to recently promoted Major Griff of SG2 he was Captain Griff just a couple weeks ago in the first ones he was Mm -hmm. part of the team that went with them to go try and find Daniel uh, who, uh, they're the team that's searching for SG-1. They are out on, like, the glacier, and it's like a blizzard, basically. It's very not good conditions. The UAV has been lost, and they have not had any luck at all finding any sign of SG-1. I could barely understood what he was saying in the uh, yeah. too. Like, I had to turn on the subtitles. <laughs> yeah. It's, they did a really good job of shooting that to be like, this is not good what's happening wherever mm-hmm. Major Griff is. Mm-hmm. So back in the work area, uh, Tilk is shoveling coal, basically, and Daniel approaches him and tries to talk to him about everything that had happened, you know, several days ago, like, why is he wearing the bandages? What's the thing on his forehead? And why Tilk had said they were friends? And Tilk denies everything, and he even denies that he was there last week. Which Do you think is it's weird. part of his personality wiping it was like never ever ever take off your stomach bandages I, w- I mean it would have to be yeah yeah like your stomach is hurt never <laughs> never yeah. mind <laughs> yeah <laughs> never pay attention to what's there just just ignore it it's fine but just keep these on all the time yeah yeah uh, so Daniel finally leaves him alone and approaches the area where Keegan's working and this is all very confusing because like why would Tilk even deny being there like everybody knows he was there everybody saw him he was here last week why is he denying like even being here like never mind the things he's about being friends and who they are and what all that it's just like what what's going on kind of weird it is Mm. and keegan tries to explain it away as night sickness but that doesn't explain the strange dreams that daniel is having and she cautions, she cautions him against thinking too much or talking too much about this because people might think he's night sick too. And he kind of goes, people? And she's like, oh, no, I would never. No, of course not. And he's like, oh, no, okay. yeah, it's just a dream, right? It's not. It's just a dream. Whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's not. No. It is. It's not. But yeah. it is. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it is interesting, though. We see sort of, even though they've had some sort of memory wipe replacement procedure like he's still fundamentally daniel and like sam is still sam and jack is still jack like he's still that curious questioning that wants to understand everything and sam is still you know super smart wants to solve problems and jack is 
soldier and just does what he says. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I think the way they went about this is 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 interesting. It is very interesting. It it, it makes it it makes you wonder what exactly the um, the personality stamping actually does and who were all the other people down there. Yeah, have they all Previously. been stamped? Have they all been yeah. you know personality wiped? I guess so. I mean, I, SG-1 can't be the only people ever have that technology. Otherwise, they wouldn't have that technology. Yeah. So that's kind yes. of what I assumed after we learned that, is that yeah. everybody down there was somebody else. Yeah. Yes. That they were Which just is, like, guess what? And that's very disturbing. <laughs> it is very disturbing. Uh, so we then get a very lovely matte painting of apparently what this planet is. And it is just, yeah, like snow and ice everywhere. But there's a large glass quote-unquote dome covering a city like protecting them from the ice and snow and horrible stuff that's happening so Mm -hmm. yeah brenna and calder are talking in his office uh the thing that happened with tilk is probably because of his symbiote but they've stamped him again as they say and it looks like it's working this time and brenna mentions the improvements sam has suggested and she has like a little folder if you will of what Sam had written up, which uh, Brenna hands to Calder. If you notice, Calder takes it with the handkerchief. So, like, he doesn't actually, like, touch it himself, which is like, oh, this is, that's who this kind of guy is. That, yeah. I know exactly, that tells you so much. Yeah, um, that was a good, that was a good touch. Yes. Or not touch, as it were. Ha ha, ha, um, but anyway, uh, Calder does not like what Sam is thinking and like wants to do to improve things. And Brenna's like, but if we didn't have to manually do this stuff, we could put those workers to work in other places. And then he's like, oh, well, maybe we could just automate everything and nobody would have to work. And then what would happen? The city would fall into chaos and the city is great and we don't need to worry about it. So it's like, wait, what? What happened? <laughs> here like no, but it isn't it like he says that of like oh yes and everything would be automated and no one would have to work and and the brenna replies with like and why is that bad yes yeah <laughs> and he's like oh you <laughs> he's like i it's like are these like people that were like in jail before is this like is this the new jail I, or something I wondered that myself of like because there's obviously no kids down well I shouldn't say obviously but there's no kids down there so it's not like yeah. a separate society down there living and breathing on their own just completely oblivious to anything else I mean it is but like it seems like they were all placed down there yeah and it's they like don't what have homes no so it's like what did they do do to warrant being put down there mm-hmm. yeah it could be something as simple as like you know just disagreeing with the with the way things are done or the establishment <laughs> and they're like ah well that's interesting may we show you some propaganda <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh brenna doesn't agree with calder that it would be bad to like automate things but he instructs her to, like, only make the changes necessary to, like, keep everything running. So, okay. Mm-hmm. So Sam goes back to see Brenna in her office and is told that the changes won't be going into effect with vague excuses of it being, like, too risky to shut shut things down because they might not turn on again and stuff. And Sam tries to question, like, what changed because Brenna was so excited about it before. And Brenna's just like, you're dismissed. It's like, mm-hmm. okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. And she's like, hmm. Hmm. Yes. So we then get a scene with uh, Sam and Jack where Sam is sort of like ranting about, you know, these changes that are not going to be happening. And Jack offers up that maybe she just sort of went too big too fast. And in a few days, maybe go back with like a small change and maybe that'll be better, you know, received by everybody. And Sam asks how he can stay so calm, to which Jack replies, I think in another life I've handled dangerous explosives. And is that a MacGyver reference I hear? Maybe. Maybe. Uh, And that 
and seems to kind of like strike something in Sam and she's like, what do what do you like what do you mean by like another life? Like what does that mean? He's like, nothing. It's just an expression, right? I love that so much about this episode that they'll just say so because we've commented on that before yeah. when they say it to alien species, when Jack will just say all of the, you know, expressions and idioms and stuff and, and yeah. nobody seems to be phased by the fact that he said something that makes no sense to them whatsoever. Yeah. So I love in this episode how they'll repeatedly do that and be like it's an expression, right? Just, it was... mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love that so much. Yeah. I like when there's, yeah, like those callbacks, like throughout yes. the episode to like other things. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. So back at the SGC, Griff and his team are returning through the gate and they're geared up in like the heavy duty snowsuits. And he's like, there's no sign of SG1. And Hammond kind of tried to, tries to, you know, explain his like, and he's like, no, I mean, there is no sign of SG-1, like, anywhere. There's, like, no trace that they've ever been on this planet at all. And there's no way there could have been any reason for Sam to want to go out to the glacier. And he, even if she did have a good reason, there's no way Jack would have said okay to that. And Hammond tries to get him to explain further because, you know, Calder said these things. And Griff is like, yeah, that's not... You know, I can't really talk about that kind of a thing. That's not what I do. And Hammond's like, off the record, Calder said SG-1 went outside the dome. And Griff's like, well, I say he's a damn liar. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, Daniel, back on back on 118, Daniel approaches Keegan and starts asking questions about how he got there. And she's like, you were transferred from the mine. And he keeps trying to think back, but he doesn't have any memories before arriving there and he's starting to think maybe he was friends with Jack and Sam, but like, and like, she can't explain anything. She doesn't know, but this whole him talking about Jack and Sam just like pisses Keegan off more. And she's like, if you're friends with them, you're not friends with me. And like walks off like, Oh, Hey, Hmm. Thing, things are starting to unravel now a little That's bit. Weird. Isn't it for someone just to be like, how dare you be friends with them? How, like, I don't, it seems it seems oddly hostile. <laughs> it's 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 just like it's so high school. Yes. You know? Yes, that's a good way to put it. Very high school. Yeah. Uh so down in the work area we see Tilk like, you know, turning like you'll know, pressure valve release wheels and he like he doesn't look good. He's looking kind of sick, like something's going on. And he sees one like larger pipe where the pressure seems to be increasing, but before he can release that pressure he collapses Uh, a couple of the other workers notice and run to like get tilk out of there and they like pull one of those like alarm whistle things to warn everybody and sam comes running over they tell her about like it's gonna blow like there's an overload happening it's gonna blow and she's like we have to fix and they're like we can't it's too late so daniel comes running over to help and sam tells him that she can turn off the main boiler but the pressure needs to be released or else the whole section's going to blow. And Jack had arrived by that point. So he goes running to start trying to work on it. And Keegan comes over and Daniel's like, get everybody out of here as he runs to go help Jack. So Jack had tried to grab the handle to open the valve, but it's apparently very, very hot. And so when Daniel comes running over, he's got like two large sort of hammer type things with him. And they start just banging on it, whacking it. And Sam does manage to get the boiler shut down just as Jack and Daniel bang on the handle release thing. And it basically just snaps off and we see the steam come shooting out. And Daniel had sort of dropped to the floor to avoid the steam. And Jack like looks over and like reaches down to help him up. So they're friends now. Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't really tell what they were trying to accomplish with the hammers until the whole thing like popped off. And I was like, Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were really doing it in any sort of direction or. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, were they trying to, yeah. Like bang it to turn it or <laughs> uh, yeah. It was a little unclear what they were intending to happen, but that's, you know, apparently what happened was good. So, okay. Yay. Yeah. Crisis averted. Yay. Yeah. Uh, up in the infirmary, Tilk wakes up and insists on returning to his duties. And Bren is like, no, you're going to stay there until I tell you to move. 
and she turns to the rest of SG-1 who are there and thanks them for saving everyone's lives, basically. And Sam and Daniel immediately respond with the, it is my honor to serve. And then Jack just kind of goes, right. So it's like, okay, a little more unraveling. That was weird. That was weird. And Sam tries to bring up her suggestions again with like the automated relief valves and like this wouldn't have happened if we had done that. And but Brenda's just like, it's not, it's not happening. It's not happening. We'll figure something out. So this doesn't happen again, but it's not going to be that. Because <laughs> no. Uh, and then they're just like dismissed. So as uh, as the three of them leave, Daniel brings up what Tilk had said earlier about them all being part of something called SG-1. And he thinks Tilk might have actually been on to something. And he feels like he was meant to be doing something more than this. And Jack and Sam are like, more than like helping our people survive an ice age. So apparently that's the story they've been told. Mm-hmm. And he's like, it's hard to explain. But yeah. And also he's had dreams with like Jack in them. And there was a glowing puddle, which is just like bonkers. But Sam's like, wait, I had the same dream. So that's weird. Now hold and on. Then, and then Jack goes, will you two stop talking like that for crying out loud? And they both look at him and he's like, what? It's an expression, right? And so they all just kind of look at each other and agree to meet after it lights out. Mm-hmm. So they meet up after it lights out and they start talking and trying to figure this whole thing out. Daniel and Daniel's definitely like, this isn't our life. Like something is definitely wrong here. Sam's like starting to get the feeling that, yeah, something's kind of weird and hinky here. Jack is not quite there yet. Um, all he does know is that secret meetings like this, if they got caught, would get the rations cut for a month. So Daniel tries to get him to think, like, really, really think about what he did before he got here. And all Jack can say is, like, he mined, he shoveled ore into a cart. And, like, that's it. That's, like, as sort of as deep as his memories go. And they bring up, so even if their memories have been altered, what is it they're supposed to be doing? Like, what's their actual reality life? like well they don't really have any idea about that yet and jack <laughs> and then jack brings up maybe we're night sick like tor was and jack just or, and sam goes i don't think so sir and they're like, like you just what? called jonah sir and she goes it's well it's an expression right <laughs> <laughs> yeah this this episode is written really well like that where they start to say mm-hmm. stuff and they're like it, Huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so back at the SGC, we get another lovely shot of Hammond overlooking the gate room from the briefing room. And Dr. Fraser comes in to give him a medical report of SG2. Major Griff has some minor frostbite, but everybody's fine. And they kind of talk about what's going on. And there's definitely hints of like Hammond knows that Calder is lying, but can't really do anything about it from a whole, you know, like diplomatic point of view. Um, and he gets the feeling that Calder likes things how they are. And what had started this was this planet has some cool, like, metallurgic technology, and they want, like, gate addresses because their planet is a hole just covered in ice in it. Who wants to live there if they can get off it? So, and, you know, Hammond maybe can't do anything officially about it, but he's asked Major Griff to come up with a covert search and rescue plan, and Fraser is definitely on the volunteer list, volunteer list for that mission. Say so. hey. Mm-hmm. So back on 118, it's breakfast time. What, what, what do you think that slop is? Like, what do you think they were actually eating? Because for some reason that did not come up in the commentary and I couldn't find it anywhere online of like, as far as what that slop actually oh, the was. the prop food? Yeah. I usually take it to some sort of like cream of wheat oatmeal mm. mixture therein. I mean, it looked like the same kind of stuff that they had on the prison planet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I just thought it was funny that, like, in the beginning of the episode, they're like, yay, we've lit the greenhouse. You know, we powered the greenhouses. Yay. Okay. Here is your slop. It does <laughs> not look like anything that comes from a greenhouse. I know. It's like, what are you, unless they're just growing, like, soybeans or something. Or grain or whatever. Yeah. The, the bread flour. I don't know. But I just yeah. thought that was funny where they were like, greenhouses. Where is, where is all the green stuff? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
So Daniel gets his food from Keegan and goes to join Jack and Sam. And he's like, any more dreams? And Daniel saw the Stargate again, but this time they were all there, including Tilk. Jack just dreamed about mining naked. <laughs> just such like, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Sam. That would have been funny if that was improv, but if that was in the script, that's okay, too. Yeah, no, yeah, that was in the naked. script. That was not improv. Uh, that would have been awesome improv. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sam keeps remembering like random letters and numbers. So I'm going to quiz you, Rachel, on the random oh, okay, letters and numbers. I tried for the life of me and I didn't end up looking it up, but I can't remember what GDO is. Okay. So, okay. So what's SG1? Let's start there. Stargate 1. Yes. What's <laughs> DHD? Dial home device. Yes. And GDO? I didn't know. I I was trying to quiz myself while watching this, but no, GDO, I don't remember. <laughs> Garage door opener. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it is. That's funny. So, okay. Two out of three. That's not, I guess that's not too bad. All right. But it's funny that you did that because I did the same thing to myself <laughs> when I was watching the episode. <laughs> what is that? I thought, I thought too, she was going to finish that off with like the planet they were on. No. Oh, oh yeah, that would have been interesting. P three R, one one eight. Yeah, yeah. interesting. Hmm. But yeah. no. Yep. Uh, Jack then sort of uh, gestures at this just huge mountain of a man <laughs> like sitting behind Daniel, and like once his like empty bowl because it's like this big sort of like plastic, very dome shaped bowl, and he like takes it and like turns it like upside down on the bench next to him and says, this means something, which I'm wondering if that's a reference to Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Because there's, you know, oh, the guy yes, does that like mashed the potato, potato thing. Mountain. Yeah. I'm like, I wonder yes. if that was maybe a little reference to that. Oh, that's gotta be. Mm-hmm. Okay. We then get a flashback slash memory kind of thing of Jack in Calder's office, but in, you know, the worker pajamas looking over everything and he turns and says, very impressive. Then we come back and Daniel goes to put his bowl back and Keegan is very much not happy that he has new friends. Mm, Back in the infirmary, there's a medic looking over Tilk who seems to be getting worse or at least he's not getting better. And the worker goes to try and remove the bandages to inspect his wound, quote unquote, but Brenna stops him and she's like, don't Remove the bandages under no circumstances. Look under the bandages. Just make sure he eats and drinks, but don't look under the bandages. Never, so, ever. So they walk away and we see Tilk wake up and start to undo, undo his bandages. The bandages. Yeah. Because obviously if somebody's like, never, ever, ever do this thing, you're going to do the thing. <laughs> I because, hope that he could feel that there was something there because I if know. he was like, if he was, like, brainwashed and he took off the bandages, he'd be like, what the fuck? I know. Like, could he feel Junior squirming around inside? Like, you'd think so. I mean, yeah, you'd think so, but I don't, I don't know. Hmm. But it also might have been, like, so second nature. Yeah. Anyway. That his brain just doesn't, you know. Yeah. Like, you don't, like, you never really feel your tongue in your mouth. Because right. your body's just used to, that's where your tongue is. Yeah. Even though, and then as soon as you think about it, you're like, oh, why is my tongue there? I'm doing it right now. I know. Uh, Anyway, uh, so we cut to Jack and Sam, who are sort of huddled together in a little, like, corner of the factory. And one of the things that came up in the commentary was, like, Peter had a completely different idea for how he wanted to direct the scene. But once he saw the setup, he was just like, I'm just going to slow push in on it because it's pretty and it looks nice. And they can Mm -hmm. just do, they can just act. And B, and it's totally fine. It so, is. yeah. Yes. So, Jack brings up that he has remembered something. He remembers a bald man who wore short sleeves and was very important. And Jack thinks his name is Homer. <laughs> <laughs> because Richard Dean Anderson loves the Simpsons, and apparently so does Jack. Okay. Uh, so, nothing really specific for Sam, just vague images but you know there is something about this place that she likes that she rests her head on jack's shoulder no and see this proves our point that like it's so cute and awesome when it's in the script 
Yeah. But the rest of the time, it does not exist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, Jack brings up that he remembers feeling feelings. Mm-hmm. And Sam, Sam's like, for for me? He's like, no, for Tor. Ah, 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 no, ah, ah, ah. you were so you're so funny. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, that makes her feel a little better. So yeah. like, It's yeah. cute and it's also it when yeah. it's in the script. Other than that, it's like... <clears throat> yep. It's just non-existent. Mm-hmm. So, uh, back up in Calder's office, Brenna is there giving him, a, giving him a report on everything. And she's like, Tilk might be dying. And she's pretty sure the rest of SG-1 might be starting to remember because they started meeting in secret. And she brings up, you know, their brain chemistry isn't exactly the same. And they can try re-stamping them again. But nope. No. Calder wants to show them what it's like outside the dome. And Brenna's like, nope. Why? No. That's not a good idea. They just, you know, had some, you know, objections to how we treat the workers. And Calder's like, no. They didn't just object. They judged us. So now I'm going to judge them. Like, okay. Does it make you wonder who is he to be the judge of everyone? Yes. 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 And he's like, doesn't seem to have to answer to anybody, does he? No, he seems like he's the top dog Mm -hmm. of this whole planet, I guess. City, planet, whatever. And he's basically like, do you have a problem with this? And she's like, nope, it is my honor to serve. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. So back in the barracks, the workers are sleeping, but Jack is not. And here we have our Peter DeLuise cameo. He's the guy who's sleeping on the floor as the camera, like, starts on low and then pans up onto Jack. Oh, so he's, like, it. in the background, just, like, oh. sleeping. And the reason he's sleeping, you know, on the ground is because he wanted to do, like, this sort of pan-up thing. Because, you know, it's interesting just from a visual perspective. But, like, the top bunks were really, like, rickety and not really, mm-hmm. like, the safest. So they had to have Jack on, like, the lower bunk, which meant he had to be sleeping on the floor. So they could pan up. Interesting. Um, yeah. Yes. And for some reason, he still has that empty bowl from earlier. And it was, like, under his pillow. And he pulls it out and, like, sits it on the bed next to him. And we go back into that flashback memory that he's having of being in Calder's office and this time his worker clothes slowly morph into his like standard BDUs which apparently that was Rick's idea that like clothing morph oh really was his idea they're like great that's gonna be really expensive but it's really cool so we'll do it because he's I mean he's an executive producer anyway so okay Mm -hmm. yes Mm -hmm. and it, I found it interesting that um, he needed to hide the bowl. Yeah, I was a little like, I'm, yeah, like, why why does the bowl have to be hidden? Why is it going to be taken away from him? Yeah. I found that weird. Yeah, I know. It was a little weird, yeah. And he says, again, very impressive, but then continues that it's all a lie. And SG-1 was being given a tour of the grounds when Sam noticed some ventilation shafts, and they discovered all of the people that were enslaved below. And so Jack will not recommend trade negotiations with people that would do such a thing. And then he he starts to sort of ask, like, you know, how how do you do it? Like starvation, torture? And Carl's like, oh, no. Oh, no, no. It's all very civilized, really. I'll show you. So that's how we got into this situation. Probably not the smartest idea for Jack to be like, I'm not recommending, recommending, recommending. I'm not recommending. <laughs> relations with people like you you think he would have just been like it's impressive it's nice it's really cool but um we're gonna go thanks bye <laughs> yeah and just never go back i'd just be like um they have slaves in the basement yeah nah yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so the next morning jack wakes up and like hides the bowl again and another worker comes to get him and sam and tells them to go to brenna's office and in the infirmary a couple workers show up to take tilk via stretcher because he's now unconscious uh also up to brenna's office and as they they walk off with tilk the medic from earlier notices that like the bandages are still there so yes tilk has removed the bandages oh no so up in Brenna's office, all of SG-1 is there, including Daniel now, and Sam asks what's wrong with Tilk, and Brenna says that he's dying, and Daniel then says, kill no ream. Now, he doesn't know what that means, but Jack speaks up and says it's a kind of meditation, and if he doesn't do it every day, which this is kind of new information about kill no ream, that he has to do it every day, mm-hmm. he'll get sick. 
And Sam asks why he's not doing that then. And Jack says, well, because he can't remember. And Brenda's like, yep, Colonel O'Neill is correct. So Brenna confirms their theory that the memories have all been altered and goes on to tell everyone who they are, including Tilk. And Jack's like, is there a Homer? And she's like, I I don't know. Not that I'm aware of. Uh, but basically, she's had a change of heart. Like, you guys don't belong here. What we did was wrong. At first, I thought it was necessary to just protect the city. But no, this isn't right. And she's going to get them home. And so she pushes a button and a panel in the wall slides open as a sort of like secret passage. But hey, look, it's Calder and some armed guards. Somebody's conveniently waiting in the secret passage. Yes. And Calder is very disappointed in Brenna and the change of heart that she's had, but she's not sorry. So Calder shoots her, but it just hits her arm. And then we see Tilk suddenly like stand up behind one of the guards, attacks him, disarming him. Daniel and Jack. Everyone else. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Jack and Daniel take out Calder and the other guard and Sam goes to check on Brenna. And Jack says, Tilk, you okay? So... Tilk. Mm -hmm. Yes, Tilk. And he's like, I am. So apparently what happened was when he undid the bandages, like all his memories came flooding back. So he went into a very, very deep state of Kelnorim to basically restore himself to full health. And Sam speaks up that Brenna should be fine if they can get her to the, uh, that, that place, the infirmary. Jack supplies. Yes, that place. And Daniel's like, well, how how are we going to get out of here? Because the guards with guns and stuff. And Jack's like, ah, if we have Calder as our, like, hostage, that would work. It's like, okay, sure. But then, again, Daniel speaks up about, but there's still all those, like, slaves out there. We should probably tell them what's going on. And Jack's like, yeah, good point. So he shoves Calder out onto the walkway overlooking all the workers and tries to tell them what's going on. But Calder, of course, denies everything. And Jack's like, listen to me. And Calder's like, don't listen to me. And I'm like, why would anyone listen to Jack? Like, they don't know Jack. They don't know. I mean, not that they know Calder. Right. They don't know either one of them. They don't really know either of these people. Yeah. I so, guess maybe just Jack was dressed like them. I guess. Yeah. And so, you know, Jack ends up basically shooting out the skylight and... There's not a crap ton of ice and snow on top of them. I mean, there is, but it's, like, over there. It's not, like, right there. <laughs> there is ice and snow everywhere, but not right there. Um, but there's basically just, like, sunlight that comes streaming down into city. this area. We see, a, we see a view of, like, skyscrapers and stuff through it. Yeah. Yeah. So, but it seems like these people haven't, like, seen the sun in who knows how long. So, just like, oh, my God, the sun! It's amazing! Yeah. And basically, yeah. you know... It's a brilliant idea to, like, shoot out a big pane of glass over the top of a bunch of people. Yeah. They do acknowledge in the commentary that, like, that wasn't the best idea. And they're because, yeah, glass should have, like, fallen on those people. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> they, yeah, they do acknowledge that was kind of like, our bad. Sorry. Whoops. Shout out the other one. Yep. Um, so basically, you know, like Jack continues, like, you know, you've been lied to your whole lives. There's this like whole city up there and everybody's living just like fine and dandy while you've been down here enslaved. And then he turns to Calder and like, there's a nice tropical planet I know about that we're going to take these people to. It's like, okay. I actually really like this resolution. You do? Okay. I do. Okay. I have some questions. This is where I started to, like, I love this episode, but I started to think like, Okay, is it, like, an ice age, or is this just how the planet is? But also, like, why did they even have to enslave people to, to, like, brainwash people to do this? Like, if there was, like, an ice age is coming, this is what we need to do to survive it, wouldn't you think there would be people that would just volunteer to be like, I'll help keep our people warm and safe from an ice age and have, you know, make it a job, you know, that people get, like paid for and stuff like I don't I kind of don't understand why they had to go the enslavement route uh, well it seems like they I mean it was obviously considered lowly jobs that maybe nobody wanted to do and like I 
I don't know. The best I could figure was that it was like just, you know, really lowly jobs. Nobody wanted to do it. And so they just were like, okay, well, well, I, I'm not explaining this properly. But <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's fine. <laughs> I mean, there's the scene earlier when he's talking to Brenna and they're having a conversation where she's, you know, saying all of Sam's suggestions and then that whole thing where he's like, well, then if we automate everything, like no one would work. And he says something about um, there's no crime, there's no unemployment, which means right. that in the city there are other jobs. Right. So like, it's are there... not like everybody's in some sort of like paradise oasis just living off of the slave labor. Yeah. Which is weird. Yeah. So like, do they not have janitors? Do they not have people who keep things clean? I mean, every society has to have like those blue collar workers. Otherwise, like society would collapse. Like, right. as we figured out multiple times. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like there must you know there must be people who cook the food and do the cleaning and like all of that stuff so other people can do what they want to do and p there are definitely people who are fine having those jobs they're perfectly fine doing that kind of work so it just I guess and I, I mean it's probably just the problem there's just not enough time to get into the backstory of this planet but just yeah like how did it get to let's enslave like 25% of the population to keep everybody else safe and warm and alive. Yeah. I'm just kind of confused about, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I guess it was just such intense labor and nobody wanted to do it. Yeah. And again, I mean, going back to the, you know, the whole, he says, there's no crime thing. Are those previously criminals? The yeah. That's kind of what, yeah. That's what made me think of that too. If maybe yeah. that's what they do instead of jail, they send them down yeah. to work. And then eventually they were like, Hey, <laughs> this actually kind of works for us. Yeah. We don't have to feed them in jail. We can feed them in the mine, you know, in the mm -hmm. mines and down in the, wherever that is. Yeah. M boiler room, the factory thing. I don't know. Whatever. Okay. Well, anyway, so, <laughs> So up in the office, Sam is helping Brenna like she's sort of like made a sling to help stabilize her arm and they're going to take her back to the SGC with them. Daniel leads her out as Jack and Sam linger behind trying to figure out what to do about the whole like confession thing they made a few days ago um, now that they know like who they are and stuff. And they say some things without really saying anything <laughs> because they I can't like yeah. say anything. As we, as we fade out to the end. Yeah. What is it that they say? They're just like, sir. Hmm. Or like, no, they address each other by their military rank. Yeah. He goes like major and she goes colonel, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, like, yeah. Mm. <laughs> yep. And the bald man that Jack was trying to remember, General Hammond. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, but I do like how the resolution was to not just free those people back into the population, because that obviously won't really resolve it. Those people are still going to be outcasts. I, yeah. I really like that they're like, we're going to take them somewhere else. Bye. You can yes. run your own city. Yeah, but now it's basically like, are they just going to do this again? Because <laughs> the people on the surface have no idea. You know? Right. I don't think... Or do you think the people on the surface know about the people beneath the surface? Maybe they neither... do. Maybe that's why there's no crime. Because they're like, because they know we'll get happens. sound to the boiler room. <laughs> Could be. Could be. But then... I don't know. Like, I really like this episode, but, like, thinking about it, like, I have a lot of questions <laughs> about how this actually worked <laughs> and, like, got put into place. I'm yeah. Like, nope, can't think about it, but I have a podcast. I have to think about it. So. This is this is an ideal fan fiction episode where you just make up all the little details. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Very much. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, that is the end of Beneath the Surface. But there was a lot going on. <laughs> Beneath the surface. There was. Everything was going on beneath the surface. Uh, okay. Do you have memos for us this week? Uh, well, you know, I'm sticking with the um, the check-in uh, 
memo that I had before of the of the more frequent check-ins and and the GPS signals and but we don't really know how long they were there before they were enslaved. Yes, very yeah. true. Yeah. Okay. So I guess I guess I will I will go with um Jack re Jack needs lessons on diplomacy. <laughs> yep. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the title Beneath the Surface, fairly literal title this week. Um, but it could maybe also reference like the Jack Sam stuff going on beneath the surface feelings wise between them. There were maybe. so many things beneath said surfaces. Yes. Um, as far as foreign territories, everything was basically beneath the surface except for German, which was Planet of the Ice Age. Oh, okay. Yep. So, all right. So overall, final thoughts. What do we what do you think? Do we like this one? What's going on? Generally, I did because, I mean, usually I only don't like that something. Usually I really just don't like an episode when there's something that bothers me about it and just irks me. <laughs> but this one, I agree with you that it was good. But you just you leave the episode with so many more questions than when it started. <laughs> yeah. Like, with, with, you know, freeing the workers, have they doomed everybody else to die? That's kind of a big question. Don't know. I don't know. How long had their society been like that? Had it had yes. it just kind of evolved that way? Or was it like yeah. a plan that everyone kind of went with? Yes. I do find it interesting that Calder's title is administrator. Mm -hmm. Because, like, that sort of implies very specific things. That he's just sort of administering and like overseeing things but it's not right. necessarily Ruling. planning them i don't know yeah it's yeah. it's it's an interesting title for mm -hmm. a person of his stature i guess mm -hmm. yeah but yeah. But yeah i like this yeah. one too like season there's a lot of really good episodes in season four and this one's yeah this one's definitely up there yeah mm -hmm. okay well Thank you, everybody, for listening. As always, you can find us on Twitter at SG underscore rewatch or send us an email at woo, that's W-O-O-S-G rewatch at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review us, please. And we will see you next time for Point of No Return. Bye. Bye. Bye.